You're listening to Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. Everybody, how you doing out there? This is Just Jonda, and today we are having one of our special, well, I should say tonight, Just Jonda LBDs. Now, as you know, the goal is to do these weekly or depending on what's going on, even more often. But as I told you, we had a crazy couple of weeks. Everybody in my house had COVID. It was just a mess. But at any rate, we are catching up and on something really important because when I say that I'm going to do my part to keep something out there, I mean it. So that means that one of the cases we will be staying in the mix of from start to finish is the Derek Chauvin trial. This is the lead officer in the George Floyd case the officer of that infamous picture, of that infamous eight minutes and eight seconds of being on his knee on the neck of Judge of George Floyd, doing what most of us believe to be, or I will say many of us, not most of us, but there was an M, I just meant many, what many of us believe to be uh, killing him flat out in proudly it for the whole world to see and so hello dove how are you hey bonnie how are you so that is one of the things that we are going to be talking about and i'm going to that's throughout all of this but what i'm going to do is keep get you all caught up to speed on where the trial is now so when it begins tomorrow if the defense does not get uh, what it what we ex- many of us expect they're going to ask for, which is a potential delay in the start of the trial due to an, an additional charge that was added on. And again, I'm going to get into that a bit um, later because there's a I think there's a lot more that has gone on with this case behind the scenes than many people know. And the reality of it is is that some of these things, if they had actually happened, specifically a deal between Derek Chauvin and the prosecution to plead to a lesser offense and included in that plea deal would be the federal government not coming after him, people would have gone nuts. So we really have to stay on top of what's going on super duper important so as i said we're going to definitely be talking about uh about this trial and you guys give me just a second i am sharing this show because it is live so i'm just going to share it real quick so just bear with me onto my facebook page just so that Folks there know that we have gone live because later on, if we don't go too, too late, then I hope to include um, some of you into the conversation. So 
by all means. And if you are on here, please uh, share the show as well. We would love to have as many people as possible um, hanging out with us because we're going to have a good time. Okay, so back to the case. What has been going on in the Derek Chauvin case is voir dire and jury selection. Now, many people say, well, that means the trial hasn't started yet. Absolutely not true. Huge, huge mistake. If you think that the trial has not started just because they are in the process of picking a jury. Don't ever believe that. The trial starts the minute you walk in that courtroom for anything, and that means any types of motions practice beforehand, and that's when you're filing motions to dismiss things, or it, or like when they tried to strike the plea deal, any of that. You are already in at trial because all of these things are going to play into what you use, uh, what evidence you use, who you call, whether or not certain things will be necessary depending on what got knocked out in the beginning. So there are so many elements and great elements that could almost make trying your case easier if you keep in mind that the trial starts the minute you take the case. So, and in this case, the actual trial, not figurative trial, but the actual trial started, believe it or not, because I don't think a lot of people realize, three weeks ago, the Derek Chauvin case in the George Floyd matter, as it relates to George Floyd's death, started three weeks ago. That is when they began the process of voir dire, and that is the process by which people choose juries, they exercise um, challenges to certain people, they strike certain people. Um, we get a document prior to going into um, going into our voir dire, and you can get it uh, as far in advance as possible. It depends on your courthouse um, and, and the clerks there, but they can put it out fairly early. So you get that document, so you have an idea of who's in your jury pool, because when you come that morning, the clerk is going to tell you which numbers on your page um, to strike because they're not going to be there for whatever excuse they called in with that morning or they just didn't check in. So at that point, you look at what's left and see if how many people you have left on that list are people you're just going to strike right away because you get a number of strikes where, you know, nobody questions you. And then, of course, um, which ones, uh, individuals um, that you may challenge that they shouldn't even be there or you expect to challenge someone attempting to remove them. So they actually ended up with a pretty diverse jury after giving them a 14-page questionnaire. So I suppose an upside to the 14-page questionnaire is completing that questionnaire, rather not completing that questionnaire, probably knocked out a good portion of people before they even got started. So um, they ultimately ended up with two white men, four white women, three black men, one black woman, two women of mixed race, didn't say what, and the alternates, because you always have to have some, uh, two white women and one white man. 
Now, two of those alternates will be seated when the jury is seated because if someone has to come off the jury for whatever reason and an alternate put in, then the alternate still needs to know what was going on. I mean, you can't do a retrial just to catch this person up. So they talked about how many of the jurors, even the ones chosen, have a somewhat negative opinion of Chauvin. And to be honest, I think the reason why that was allowed to fly is because there are many reasons besides whatever yours may be or whether or whatever mine may be for why people may feel negatively towards him. There may be people who don't actually feel emotionally connected to the fact that George Floyd died at all, whether Derek Chauvin was the one who killed him or as the defense is going to argue, he basically died because he was going to die anyway due to a combination of the drugs in his system and, and poor health conditions. So if you go by that, then, you know, okay. So, and so at any rate, the reason why I bring that up, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought for a minute. The reason why I brought that up is because um, if there are people who don't feel particularly connected to the fact that George Floyd died either way, they may still have a negative opinion or a negative impression of the police involved merely because they just feel like you did not handle this well. So because you didn't handle it well, or you didn't do your job, or um, in the case of somebody who really doesn't give a damn, you wouldn't handle these darkies the way you're supposed to. Um, and now our city's got torn up. Everybody is calling us racist. Okay, we might be, but we don't need people calling us that. You know, <laughs> there's there's all of that going on. So there's there's just many reasons why people would feel a certain way about him. So there was also another area where it got messy during week two, where because the week that just that we're coming out of would be week three. So just to um, add some context to this, I am recording this on March 27th. So when I say three weeks, I mean that this charge, I mean, I'm sorry, that this case has been going on for the past three weeks that just came to an end on Friday, March 26th. So Monday, March 29th is the day when everything, and this is going to be televised because Wadir was as well. So Monday, um, March 29th, which is uh, this coming Monday, the case is going to be set for, um, it is, it is well, not set, uh, the opening arguments and all of that is going to start. So I expect that opening arguments are going to go the better part of the day if they happen at all. And um, there's a reason why I haven't quite explained that because it's just going to make more sense when <laughs> when I explain it in context. Trust me, it absolutely will. So let's just get through some of these preliminaries because now we're about to get into some of the real meat and potatoes of, um, of all of this.
And one more time, I have, uh, really quick, I've got um, someone who is asking me to uh, let them in. And if that works, that will be very, very cool if they can come on. Um, but, uh, but at any rate, I'm going to continue. So the trial is set for Monday. And there was a huge announcement that really caused a bit of a mess in this case. And that the announcement came, uh, I guess, what would be about 10, 10, 12 days ago, that the city of Minneapolis had settled in a record-breaking settlement with the Floyd family in the amount of $27 million dollars. Well, I don't know what the person said on the jury. I guess somebody had some kind of severe allergic reaction to it, so much so that the uh, that the judge in the case ended up dismissing two jurors. And what was particularly daunting about it at this point is this all happened on like a Thursday in the midst of week two, and they had only had about seven, I think it was like seven or eight jurors seated, and you need 12 plus three alternates. So losing two may not seem like a big deal, but trust and believe it is a hugely big deal. So you definitely, so that was definitely an issue. And the judge made clear that he was not happy. Now, this is where we're going to get into some really cool stuff that you'll be able to talk to your friends about. And they're going to be like, dang, you are all informed on that. And you can say, well, that's because I listen to Just Jonda's LBD and then they could come here and we could all be friends and it'll be totally cool. So, <laughs> so anyway, this is where things really get interesting. There are a couple of motions that have already occurred in this case. And one of the motions that was filed, and by the way, just to make clear, a jury has been, you know, they, a jury has been chosen. So now we're moving on so that you are caught up on all of the behind the scenes that literally get us there toward, that literally get us to the point where opening arguments will finally begin, whether it is tomorrow morning or sometime at least this week. Uh, we would like to have this move forward, some justice for the Floyd family, some justice period. So, um, this, but this stuff is very important because these are things that will hold it up. Now, first thing is there was a motion filed. I'm not, uh, I didn't have a chance to check if it was a situation where the prosecution filed a motion in limine to try to keep the defense from bringing it up. And that's a motion that we filed. If we know something is not, prob it's probably not going to look so great. <laughs> that's when I usually do it for my client, and so I'll file a motion saying why, you know, pretty much why justice demands that it, it's something that is not brought up 
or it's a name that my client is not called because it may be prejudice. It, it may prejudice the jury, um, especially in light of what relation that item has to the subject matter. So one of the motions that was made was related to whether or not the defense would be able to bring up a 2019 arrest where they argue that George Floyd pretty much acted the same way, that he was obviously on, and, and these are their words, uh, not mine, that he was, I'm sorry, I'm going to shift a little bit. You may hear a little bit of noise. Okay, so they asked, um, so at any rate, I know I just said that because I moved the equipment just so that I could, it could sound a little bit better. Um, okay, so they are going to argue that in that 2019 incident, which allegedly was almost a year to the day of this one, George Floyd was more or less in the same exact condition they found him in this day, and he behaved in the same manner. So that's why I'm assuming they're going to say that's why they approached him in the manner they approached him. But I mean, does that, I don't know, that would seem a little thin for them to say that. Maybe that's just, it's not so much that they're going to argue that because of that history, they had a right to do it because then the question would be, well, are you the same exact officers that he encountered? And the answer is probably no. So I think it's more so to say that based on the information they have, maybe even some video, that if we say in our defense that we needed to act a certain way, we needed to be very aggressive because this person was carrying on in a manner that made us have to respond in kind. And you all have people who are saying, no, he wasn't acting that way. Then we should still be given more of the court's benefit, more of the court's benefit of the doubt as it relates to that, because we can show that this is what he does. So why are you not believing us when we tell you this is what he did this time? Now, the fact that there were people around, eh, I suppose that's something they'll be arguing about. So the judge did order that that can be in. Now, I know there's people that are going to feel uh, all kinds of ways about that. I personally think that that is pretty freaking prejudicial. Um, I am. I will not be surprised if they haven't already, um, and this is the prosecution, so maybe they may not have, if they haven't already filed an appeal on that, then they have certainly noticed it for the record so that they can preserve that as one of their issues when this trial is over, especially if they if we end up with a defense verdict. So 
let's get to where this really gets interesting because this to me is probably one of the biggest bombshells in my opinion as it relates to some of the things that the public knew that probably would have made the public feel some kind of way if they knew so i mean some of the things they knew or didn't know um it also um it it also makes you think a lot about uh how quickly folks are trying to you know just get this get this thing moving on okay so a big development late last week was that Judge Cahill, now the judge in this case, Judge Peter Peter Cahill, it's also important to watch your judge in some of these early motions because it gives you an idea of what you're going to be dealing with during trial. Like how is he ruling on um, on issues that might end up being the underlying reason for objections? those types of things it gives you an idea sometimes of how much um i guess how much of a wide breadth he's going to give attorneys especially when questioning and then again when it comes down to considering um and sustaining objections so when it is um as it relates to this major thing it is a re it is the third degree murder charge now let me remind you all of what derek chauvin is charged with it uh, uh, well what we knew him to be charged with initially was second degree manslaughter second degree murder third degree murder the other two individuals charged in this case are charged in um they're basically charged with the same thing, but under accessory before the fact, accessory after the fact, co-defendant, etc. But uh, with all of the same charges. Now, if you go back to one of my earlier episodes, I didn't call them the LBD. Just look at at my earlier episodes. You're gonna find it on um, episode, I believe it's episode two, eight minutes and eight seconds. And then there's another George Floyd episode right within that same range, but definitely episode two, eight minutes, eight seconds. I explain all of these charges and exactly what they mean, why more than likely each one was used, and what, um, at least in my opinion, they would likely to be found guilty of, given the facts and um, just a basic jury's understanding of some of these things. If a jury can find you guilty of something without it getting too complicated, where they feel like they almost can't even contemplate the case or deliberate the case, because every freaking concept or issue that they have to think about is so out there in the cosmos somewhere. So, I, you know, so as I said, if you go back to one of those episodes, you'll get more of the meaning. But I am going to give you that statute, just in case you want to look it up, uh, Section 609.195 of the Minnesota Statute, Third Degree Murder. Third Degree Murder is without intent to affect death, 
you cause death of another by um, by perpetrating an act imminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. Okay, that's a whole lot of words. I'm going to make it real simple because in other states, the state that I live and practice in being one of them, we cut this down to two simple words most of the time, and that is just depraved indifference. That essentially means that whatever activity that you said was so devoid of you giving a damn about other people, despite the fact that there is essentially no doubt that this is something that can and probably will hurt somebody, you do it anyway. That someone who does those things per se shows themselves to be of depraved mind because that is obviously not considered to be behavior befitting a normal person. And that is part of what makes this whole third degree murder situation very interesting. Because as I told you all in that uh, episode two, this charge, a lot of pundits were kind of not really feeling this charge to begin with, not just in this case, but in another case that has been working its way up to the Minnesota Court of Appeals while this one was going on, and that is the Muhammad Noor case which interestingly enough also involves the Minneapolis police is also um, a case where a police officer is was charged with uh, killing a black man. So there's, you know, all there are definitely similarities. And that case was a few years ago. So again, it's already gone through the full trial cycle and was now working its way to a court of appeal. So that's going to become important in a minute. Now, the reason why a lot of pundits had an issue with this charge from the very beginning is because on the one hand, the prosecution was like, well, this is an easy one because again, we don't, because they are police officers and because they were called there because of an alleged breach of the peace, then by virtue of their profession, They had every right to be where they were. And if there was some disturbance of the peace, then again, by virtue of the duty that they are out there to undertake, then they are supposed to interact with the public and, you know, do what they do. But of course, as we know, it didn't quite go that way. Okay, so we have that. However... In the case of the um, what this charge is typically used for is not situations where it's so cut and dry. It is typically used for cases where there is a bit of distance between the deceased, and it's usually multiple people, and the whatever the cause issue, the, whatever the cause is, and then that causal link. And here's an example of things it was used for, particularly trying to have additional ways to take down drug dealers, especially drug dealers that were at the top of the, uh, considered to be 
uh, higher up the food chain because the theory is that someone who puts a known dangerous substance into um, into circulation and then that substance does exactly what you know it's probably going to do then you should then under this theory you should be charged and convicted of third degree murder because were it not for you putting those things out into putting those drugs out there then your bad batch wouldn't have killed this group of people and the fact that you did it because of who you are and what you do in and of itself evidences a depraved indifference and you could take it a step further that it often comes into play depraved indifference to human life now that is what that type of charge is particularly used for um or typically used for um also i guess in a more colloquial colloquial example um my mouth just went all over the place because my my mouth is dry um example we will look at um i guess since they're always in the news these guys who do these dumb pranks kind of like trying to re uh, revisit jackass of the you know early you know mid 90s and early 2000s and i guess there's a couple of groups that have managed to do it i mean 18 19 million followers but the bottom line is let's say you had a group of these folk and they decided to put something into the water system by the way i'm still doing this recording at casa hopi and i told you before that i'm in a bit of a rainforest here so you get a lot of different sounds you got things growing and needing their sounds and then we've got bubbles and all kinds of stuff so you're going to hear some sounds but absolutely gorgeous okay so that's why we said we'll you know you'll see us on youtube soon because you know you'll see all the foolishness up close and personal so <laughs> so anyway what they are uh, okay so that is why it so i was talking about one of these groups tossing something into the water system now in your mind you're not trying to kill anybody and the charge doesn't say that you have to be trying to kill anybody in fact more than likely you won't in this case weren't in this case apparently you were trying to make the whole town have diarrhea but you don't know what could happen to people and but you should know given your age that there are bad things that can happen to people if they end up with something that they're not supposed to have so let's say a bunch of people use tap water um to do their baby bottles and the babies die so this charge would be used so in the case of muhammad noir so now we're going to talk about well no i'll get to that in a second so in the i'm assuming it must have been in the fall winter in the fall of winter um according to documents and uh i also read this in several um reports uh, on this case as i was you know pulling together all my research so apparently there was a plea offer that was accepted in this case accepted 
by Derek Chauvin to plead to third degree murder, but as a part of that plea deal, which I think state prosecutor Ellison needs to answer some questions about, is part of that deal was that he was not going to be charged, I'm sorry, I needed to take a sip of my tea, that he was not going to be charged in federal court. Well, thank goodness, even the judge who was going to sign that was like, hell no. Take this back to the drawing board. In fact, I think it was Judge Cahill. He was like, no, not doing it. And not only am I not doing it, but I'm going to take things a step further, and I am going to remove the third degree murder charge from this case. So at least for the past several months, Derek Chauvin has not been charged with three felony offenses as we thought he was. He's actually only been charged with two. So the judge threw that charge out, not because of whether or not he thought he did it, but because his reading, as with many of the pundits' readings, of the third degree murder charge is that that charge is not for individual defendants. That charge is to be used for what everybody has basically understood since the time it was enacted, its legislative purpose to be. And the Muhammad, now in the midst of all this, so he made that ruling, you know, whenever, sometime earlier this winter. Well, interestingly enough, the first week of March, right when this case was beginning, the Muhammad Noir case finally made its way to the Court of Appeals. And if you want to look it up, it's Muhammad, it's M-O-H, I believe it's M-O-H-A-M-E-D, and then Noor, M-N, as in Nancy, O-O-R. So you can look that case up. So first week in March, the Court of Appeals ruled that this charge, third degree manslaughter, did not have to be used just for groups of victims. It didn't have to be a bunch of people. It didn't have to be the types of cases that are mentioned in the legislative intent. Essentially, in so many words, just because when a law is put on the books, the legislature may actually flat out say, this is the legislative intent. This is the reason that we did this. That does not mean that that is the only thing that you have to use it for, especially if the law itself doesn't preclude it. Just because the law is typically used when it is the types of circumstances I meant earlier doesn't mean that that's the only way it should be used because there's nothing specifically in the law that tells you not to. So essentially, you have another case that you can use, and it certainly is very useful from the standpoint of the easier of a job or more options there are for finding individuals guilty that would be, especially if they have any money, right candidates for a civil case is great for the victim because there is nothing better 
for a civil case to basically make someone so desperate to settle with you they'll be willing to give you the kitchen sink and that is if you've already got a criminal conviction which by definition is a higher standard because it's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt on top of that uh, of the fact that you have that because that causal link um piece is so close the proximate cause you go to try it in court you've already got arguments so it definitely opens up the door for a few things well what it opened up the door for in this case is that the court of appeals ordered that uh judge cahill who is going to be the judge throughout this case unless uh somehow it ends up getting moved or he's recused uh they ordered him to reconsider his ruling they didn't tell him that he had to reverse himself but if you're ordered to reconsider your ruling and chances are if you don't rule this way the person's going to appeal and you're going to get told to do the same thing again you don't you know you don't make a big deal out of it especially given that this case is the start of one of those trials that will make your name known infamously in history in a horrific way depending on how you handle it or how your behavior is perceived um or you know it could be a career maker if you somehow manage as pretty much almost every judge in these cases has not to come out of it you know looking like you have some type of benevolence or jurisprudence left in you so the next um so i would say the next thing was we get to about wednesday of this week so that would have been wednesday the 23rd so between 23rd and 24th judge cahill finally reversed himself and said okay based on the court of appeals is reading of this i am going to allow the third degree murder case to be uh, the third degree murder charge to be a part of this case now that all three of those uh three of those charges are a part of this case we're right back to where we were in the beginning i don't mean that in terms of starting over i just mean that uh we're going into the trial which is technically scheduled to start tomorrow we're going into the trial with um uh with what we expected now this is where i'm going to try to get you ahead of the game just so that absent any big fireworks that we need to come back to talk about uh you probably won't hear from me until a little bit later in the week but if there's a lot of stuff that goes on then you know it'll make the weekend episode too long and then I'll give you something earlier okay so this is the stuff you need to be looking for this week there is at least the possibility that the defense and they may have already done so but nobody you know wasted any ink reporting on it um the defense was it, it was expected at least that the defense might file a motion for additional time before the court proceeds with uh swearing everybody in and opening arguments because the third degree murder charge was being put back 
what I suggest, especially given that, um, as I've probably told you all before, well, I know I told you before, but depends on if you're a listener, um, I've practiced on the defense side for over 20 years. And so the rationale behind them asking for additional time really just boils down to the fact that they will argue that when we began, when we were moving forward with trying this case in preparation for voir dire and, you know, March 29th, then we were doing it with the impression that we had two charges, second degree murder and second degree manslaughter. And because that is what we understood it to be, that is what we prepared for. There are certain things that we are going to argue that could be affected by the new charge. And we need an opportunity to review our defense strategy, make adjustments as needed, and of course, prepare for any additional arguments that are going to be made as it relates or that we're going to make or that we anticipate will be made against us as it relates to the third degree murder charge. I think on that, a judge can go either way. If the judge rules in, in their favor, that tells me that Judge Cahill is trying to be extremely cautious, not only because he knows that essentially the world is watching, but also cautious in terms of um, any giving the defense or the prosecution any reasons to appeal, because this is going to be a case that is going to go on forever. It's, it's very political. Um, there are some big folks that have money invested in, um, in Derek Chauvin's, um, in the idea that Derek Chauvin needs to come out of this not being found guilty of murder. I'm sure that those individuals were probably not even happy about the fact that he was considering the third degree murder plea, but I would also um, assume that they figured the um, overall damage that they could avoid by keeping him out of a federal civil rights charge that it was it would be a good um, a good trade-off, especially given that we now have uh, democratic folks and folks who are sympathetic to um, you know Black Lives Matter and, and all of that that are in power. So I think that there were a lot there was a lot in, that went into making those decisions. But anyway, long short, I think that uh, if he grants them that continuance, then that's showing us that he is probably quite cautious and that gives us some view ahead to the fact that he's probably going to um, rule very cautiously and probably sometimes overly cautious through uh, throughout this trial, which is probably going to be something that isn't going to annoy any one side. I think it, it, it's one of those things that's going to piss off both the defense and the prosecution, to be honest. So you have, you have that part. Uh, if he does not find, uh, give them the time, I think that they'll appeal it, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. He has ruled uh, within the past several days denying the motion for the change of venue. He has said on more than one occasion 
to the defense that there is literally nowhere that you can go that because this motion was obviously made before voir dire as well there's nowhere that you can go that you're going to find people that don't know about this and we know this because again this sparked something that didn't just get things jumping off in the u.s this became a world issue and for some people probably what they would consider to be a world problem there are places where some may assume that they are not sympathetic in these regard in this regard but you can trust and believe there are some places where they are not as free as it relates to the press and they are certainly not as free as it relates to protesting and being seen and re and recorded protesting therefore there are still places in this world believe it or not where you know if they're giving you the fist pump of righteousness it's going to be in the dark in the closet and if they don't have a closet then you know they'll they'll just think about you and, and be like hey hey from the inside so those those issues have already been resolved um let's see so i think that's pretty much it uh that's really the only motions that we expect to be pending and um certainly now that the jury is seated if there's anything about the jury that comes up that is going to be which actually would be kind of ugly at this point anything that comes up that removes a jury member other or makes someone uh do a motion to or file a motion to remove a jury member other than illness which of course the juror would do themselves illness family issue or whatever anything else would is going to be negative i mean there's just you know anything they need to know they already have so it's we will see if we at least get into and through um week one without a juror problem i if i were a vetting person and i think i will on this one i do not think that we are going to get through this trial without there being at least one jury issue and it could just be one juror but um while i think that it's going to be it would be virtually impossible to find people that um don't know about this case don't possibly have some agenda think this is going to be their oj moment in terms of getting some kind of book deal or whatever it's just i mean that's just the nature of the world we live in um it it, it just is what it is so i would be extremely surprised and the problem could be anything i just think there will be one it could be something that comes up all the way at the end when they're in deliberation but there's just so much attached to this in so many different ways that are beyond what we have dealt with in modern times in in terms of trials the i mean of certainly we rodney king but we're but even with with all due respect to that case the rodney king case and subsequent riots not that certain areas still don't have the ramification um, ramifications of that but technically it was almost 30 years ago 
So many, so many of the individuals out there marching now were not even alive. And even if they were, they were fetuses. I mean, they were, you know, some of them weren't even in nursery school. I mean, uh, uh, even for some of us who have seasoned children, our children weren't even thought of because we were in college. I was an undergrad when the Rodney King verdict came in. So, yeah, so there is, when it comes to cases that bring this with it, you have that. Um, But they come forward once in a generation. Again, the uh, Trayvon Martin trial, again, a lot of these young people, that was was a minute ago. The Trayvon Martin case, in fact, I was just um, looking this up to talk about uh, something when I was talking about that show, the talk with the drama with Sharon Osbourne, and the Trayvon. I was saying how they people are claiming, "Oh, well, I didn't know," and whatever. And uh, yeah, and I was saying how some of those cases were a pretty long time ago. In fact, so long ago that some of these kids out here protesting, um, maybe they were in middle school or they were in middle school, maybe some of them were in high school, but again, this is probably the biggest for them because some of these other cases never quite made it to trial because charges didn't happen. There were several where charges didn't happen. You had the situation in Baltimore, but again, things happened, people got out there, they argued, what have you, and then it quieted down. It was nothing like this. This definitely goes further back to um, to Rodney King and beyond in terms of how deeply invested people were in the marching and the movements and, and what have you. Um, and again, that all of these other ones were just as important. They just kind of died down a lot quicker in terms of people continuing to drive things forward. So it's, it's so all of that to say that this case is going to be, uh, it's going to be where it's going to be. So, and there's, there's nothing that's going to change that. I just think we're going to be in for a couple of bumps along the way. I also expect, and we're definitely going to talk about this as we get deeper, this is also going to be a case of dueling experts. going to be a lot of experts involved in this case. You won't really have to worry about the DNA stuff like in the OJ case because the question here isn't about who did it in trying to place someone at the scene. In the OJ case, his argument was, I did not do this, period, which means you've got questions about whether or not there's DNA at the scene that belonged to him or just DNA there, period. And then if there is DNA, then who does it belong to? And you get into all of that. You don't have to do any of that CSI stuff, at least as it relates to that, um, which can get, which not can, is very complicated not as simple or easy to sit through as people think it is because they see two seconds of it on television. Even with the OJ case, those people who were like glued to it, those people who did um, watch it all day, every day, 
they will tell you that that DNA stuff was not as exciting as it is on CSI. It is like watching paint dry. So be happy that, that it doesn't drag on. What you're going to see with the dueling experts in this case is really going to be the, um, I would say the turning point or the most important point that everybody is going to be trying to make or to, you know, of course, in the favor of their particular side is cause of death because the prosecution's theory for cause of death is pretty simple, right? It's, it's what we all believe we saw with our own eyes, which is a man literally having the life choked out of him while someone had their knee on their neck for eight minutes and eight seconds, not even, you know, not even taking into account those uh, minutes in between there where that, uh, where the other two officers were doing various body crushing holds on other parts of his body. So, of course, from the prosecution standpoint, simple. That's what we're arguing. There you go. Um, we saw it. You did it. Of course, there's science behind it. This is the science that goes along with it. This is what the coroner said. Bing, bang, boom. You know, connect the dots, people. The prosecution is going to say, we can't unring a bell and say that there was not some interaction between these men that got out of hand and that there were some tactics employed because they're going to have to admit it. They, they can't just try to convince us that we didn't see what they what we saw. So they're going to have to acknowledge that this took place and hopefully suck it up and acknowledge that it may not have been the best way in the world to handle things. And then they can go on and argue whatever they're going to argue. But you are not going to score any points with everybody in the courtroom, and most importantly, the judge and jury, um, jury especially, to hate both you and your client, because it makes a difference, not only how they feel about your client, but how they feel about you. Well, it does not serve your client for the jury to not like you or your client, because at no point in all of this did you just make basic acknowledgement of the fact that there were some things that occurred that there are very few people on the planet and the ones that there are, we just need to stay away from them, like for real, just stay away from them, who can look at that, and I don't care what you believe, and not think that there was something about that that was problematic if for no other reason you even if you hate black people hate well you don't even care but that just to say yeah that probably isn't the best way to do anything to anybody you gotta at least be able to uh, to agree to that so and i think that coming out of the gate the defense has to acknowledge that 
and then they can move on to arguing whatever they want to argue and uh, um sorry i forgot to mention this their defense is going to be that george floyd did not die from those acts however we may feel about the fact that he was held down on the floor and and all of that we can feel however we feel but that is not that doesn't mean that that's what killed him and so that is um so that's their argument so that's what you know so we'll you know that's what we're going to go with with that the next um that so that's the the main piece as it relates to um as, as it relates to the the defense and that's what we're going to talk about they're simply going to say that his uh whatever drugs he had in his body and they're going to argue that toxicology shows there was blood in his body i mean i'm sorry drugs in his body combined with all of just the behavior that went on and most importantly with pre-existing conditions high blood pressure um i believe they did mention heart disease but i know high blood pressure for sure that he was you know they're basically like he was a ticking time bomb that was set to explode anyway in terms of uh him dying and so you know i i don't know if they're gonna admit that he that chauvin helped them along or what so <laughs> i come from the school of you take your victim where you find them but i know that's a civil principle so that is where we are everyone with the case so it there is going to be something that happens on the 29th how close we get to opening arguments i guess we will find out if i find out i will certainly post it on my uh, social media so speaking of that you can follow me on twitter and instagram at let's be honest jj that's at l-e-t-s-b-e-h-o-n-e-s-t jj for just jonda you can also hang out with us daily where we talk about all the fun pop stuff as well as some of this stuff too but definitely a little bit of a lot of lighter atmosphere over at the fashion and drama diaries on facebook you can join we're up to over a thousand people which is absolutely amazing so having a great time over there all of this information you will find in the uh in my info box you know for this episode make sure that if you have itunes you listen to us over there especially trying to get the profile up over there so listen to us there always review and leave five stars every time listen to all the episodes please go ahead review them all go ahead just make a day out of it <laughs> you'll have a great time you go is pretty cool i think we can deal with her and you know she can wake us up put us to sleep all of that if you have any questions any legal questions anything you want me to talk about in the lbd especially if they relate to some cases going on where you're at and you think that it's something you'd like us to follow um maybe just because they may help you understand what's going on in your own area better please let me know i am going to set up an email address but in the meantime feel free to dm me or to just respond under any episode i am very responsive i always check it so 
um, whether you want to DM me or leave it there because, you know, you don't care if the whole world knows what you want me to check out. That's fine, too. Other than that, remember, same here as on the regular um, on the regular Let's Be Honest. If you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, chances are I'm thinking about it and I want to talk about it, too. So let's be honest together. Let's be safe. And you all have a great one. And this was a live episode, so I am signing out.